0: And so glad that you're here this morning. Uh, My name is Matt Porter. I'm uh, Tim Porter's uh, better looking brother. And uh, we, uh, uh, yeah, so I'm the lead pastor from uh, uh, Salem, and, uh, and so this is a, a ch- kind of a church plant, a little bit, of the, the Salem location, and so we like to say we're one church in two locations. And so you, many of you may not know anybody from Salem or, or have any connection with them, but you're connected with a church in Salem, and, and we're so pumped about what God is doing here in and through you, in and through this uh, location. This is uh, far uh, above and beyond what we had anticipated um, when uh, back this last year we thought, hey, let's Let's plant something in Silverton. And so God has been incredibly faithful. He's brought many folks out. We're, we're so excited uh, that you're here. Uh, this morning, I, uh, I wanted to just bring to you why God put on my heart and our heart to actually plant a church that is called Outward. Um, that You might be aware that that seems like an awkward name to use. But why did God put this on our heart to uh, to call this church outward? What does this mean why why are we here? kind of a deal and I, And I'll just say like I, I grew up as a as a, a preacher's kid. My dad was a pastor, grew up in a in a very legalistic and um, abusive home environment, in a church environment that was um, that was really uh, I mean it was it was a church, but what happened in my life was that I became uh, somebody who could not figure out how to have relationship with God, how to connect with him, and how to how to actually, how do I do this thing? How do I uh, find out who he is, and how do I do what he wants me to do? Like, I can't seem to do what he wants me to do. We were told that very often as preacher's kids. And so we, we had lots of problems as, as kids. And so I, I went on and on in my life, and just not, not being able to figure this out, not being able to understand it, Got into uh, other churches as I became a, a young adult. And I'm coming up through these churches and I'm just going. And I, I, I just remember driving out out to uh, Ankeny Wildlife Refuge in my truck. And I would just sit there and I would just say, God, what do you want from me? What are you, what are you calling me to? What is it? What? And I, I just couldn't figure out God. I couldn't figure out what he wanted me to do. Like where he wanted me to go. What he wanted me to experience. And so I continued to look and continued to look and to con- continued to look. And what happened was, uh, after a while, I came to a place where I, I kind of thought, man, Lord, I feel like you're, you're calling me uh, to go do something for you. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it's supposed to be. And I couldn't get my foot in the door in some ways in, in, uh, to, to figure out how to be a part of ministry, how to be a part of the church And then one day I read the passage... Uh, that was just read to you, and it was in the NIV we normally teach out of the ESV a different a different version, but i I was reading uh, in this Bible, and this is what I read. It was he who who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers so it's it is God who gave these people to be able to to uh, encourage people towards uh, to prepare god 's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. I read that and I just go, man, that just just kind of blows my mind a little bit because all of a sudden what I'm realizing is this, is that, that God's desire for me is to engage with his local church. It's not the job of these few people who are, Uh, employed by the church to do all this work, but it is the job of these people who are employed by the church and who are gifted in these ways to be able to prepare God's people for works of service. And so all of a sudden, I had this new understanding of this mission that God has me on. Like, I have been put on a mission. You have been put on a mission. We have been put on a mission, and it's God's mission in our world that God has put us on. But one thing that we forget about is we forget about the the message. We forget about the message first. We think, I need to be on mission. I need to do what's right. I grew up in that legalistic home that was telling me, you better be on mission. You better do what God wants you to do. You better better, uh, dot your I's and cross your T's. You better be this person. And what I didn't hear a lot about was what drives me towards that. And what I found in the book of Ephesians was this deep, an abiding passion for who God is. This deep and abiding passion for what He wants from me. And so I kind of want to walk you through my my journey a little bit uh, through the book of Ephesians. And uh, I just I just remember. So I I, I got uh, hired at a at a local college ministry, which I shouldn't have been hired for that. <laughs> I had I had a series of books that my dad had given to me, and I. Was we sitting in my bedroom one day, and I saw one of these books, and it was called "The Unsearchable Riches of Christ." It was one book in a series of books on the Book of Ephesians, and I began to read that, and it, it began to awaken me to something that was incredibly passionate. As this this preacher, Martin Lloyd Jones. Uh, over and over again just taught on the Word of God, and I just read his sermons, and I'd read, his, read more and more sermons. And what would happen is I would go and I'd read like five of his sermons, and I could squeak out about a, a five-minute sermon after that, uh, um, and then I would go on from there. But one of the things that you need to know about the book of Ephesians is this, is that this book is this passionate uh, uh, message that the Apostle Paul wants to communicate ...to the church today. He wanted to communicate it then, but he also wants to communicate it uh, today, and he wants you to see. He wants you to experience it. The Apostle Paul starts off the book in verse 3 of chapter 1, and he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ... The Apostle Paul is more flowery, he's more passionate, and it's almost like he's screaming this and he is saying, man, we need to understand how amazing it is that God has saved us. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ, and then it says, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, The Apostle Paul is pouring out this idea of like, the message of God is this, is that you were saved by no work of your own. Like if you've come to God and like you've experienced grace and mercy, like I hope that you have, like if you've come to him, the first thing that you have to understand is this, is that you didn't do it, that God saved you. And the only thing that you can do is just sit in praise. To sit and just going amazement and just thinking, man, God is so amazing for having saved me in this way. So the Apostle Paul is like pouring this out and he goes on and on. In fact, much of chapter 1 of Ephesians is just one sentence. He doesn't even put punctuation in there. It's just a run-on sentence. And then there's this, and then there's that, and then there's the other thing. He then goes in in chapter 2 at the beginning of it where he says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. The Apostle Paul says, man, this is, this is our identity. The, the, the message is this, that you have a new identity in Christ because of God's love for you. But, but why you need that is because this is where we were. This is who we were. Every single one of us is dead in our transgressions and sins, which means just all the bad stuff, all all the stuff that we have, all the things that uh, that we know that we shouldn't be doing, all the things that we don't even know that we should be doing, all the things that we should have done that we didn't do, all of that stuff... Like, the Apostle Paul saying, why do I need God to come and choose me and to save me and to cause me to be saved above and beyond my own will? Well, it's because of this. I'm completely dead. I'm, I'm dead in that, like, without Christ, like, I have no ability, excuse me, no ability to be able to reach out to God. I have no way of getting to him. So the Apostle Paul says, the message includes this. It includes that we were dead, and then he goes on and he says in verse 4 of chapter 2 of Ephesians, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. That is like this amazing statement again that says... Like even though I was totally opposed to God, it's not that I was just kind of a moral person, and I'm like, you know, I think God should save me because I've kind of got my stuff together, and I, you know, I'm I try to help people occasionally, and he, and and I'm and I'm nice to my family. I haven't cheated on my spouse. I, you know, whatever it is, like like God God should have saved me, kind of a deal. Instead of saying that, this is a recognition of this that like I do not have any hope on my own it is only but because of his great love for us god who is rich in mercy because of his incredible mercy he has caused me to come alive he has caused he has awakened me to the reality of who he is that's why this is such great news that's why this is it is so amazing see Here's the problem: is that if you only get the mission of God, you go off track. If you only have the mission of God, we should help people. I should be a nice person. We should, uh, you know, uh, think ni- nice thoughts about people. We should um, not get wasted. We should you know, go th- go go down the list. Don't kill people. Whatever whatever your thing is, uh, or what have you. Instead of thinking about it in that way, when when you think about just the mission of God and you put it as a list of do's and don'ts, you're missing the most important piece. You're missing the message of God. The message of God says that because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. If you skip down to verse 8, which is a very popular verse... Uh, in, in Christianity, it was when I was a kid, it says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. Like if you, if, in case you were wondering, in case you were thinking that somehow like this was something that you brought on, that you made happen, he wants you to see this, that like this is not from you, it is the gift of God. Again, not by works, he says in verse nine so that no one can boast. So people, oftentimes, they quote this verse and they, and they think, okay, here's the message of God, it's by grace, it's not by works, so now they got the message of God, the message of God, the message of God, and that's what they wanna hear, and that's what, what they wanna think, and that's what they wanna feel, and that's fantastic, but there's another problem, and that is, if you get the message of God without being on the mission of God, then you've actually not heard the message of God. You actually haven't actually experienced the message of God because the message of God sends us on a mission. Look at it here, verse 10. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now what happened to me is that as I was preaching through this as a very inexperienced preacher, one of the things that I saw in this was, was this reality of like oh my goodness like if like I've got the grace of God here but that grace of God is supposed to propel me to do the works of God for we are his workmanship he worked us he made us he gave us faith he saved us he gave us mercy and his expectation is this is that that sends you on a mission it sends you on a mission to do good works. The Apostle Paul goes back into kind of dealing with the theological implications of this in uh, in chapter chapter 2. And then he says this. He's about to finish up this whole treatise on the message of God. And he says, I want you to get this so bad. I want you to experience this so bad. He says... In verse 14 of chapter 3, he says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, if you look at what he's saying, the Apostle Paul, he, he often in this book, he'll, he'll say a few things and then he'll break into prayer. He, and he breaks into this prayer and he says, man, this is just what I, I really just need you to know this. I need you to experience this. I need you to feel this. And I think the reason why he's saying that is because of this. Outward Silverton. If we get the mission of God without having the message of God totally implanted, <laughs> totally injected, totally branded onto, totally uh, a part of you if, you, if you don't get the message of God, and you don't experience that on this level. Look at what Paul says. If you don't, you're going to miss it. He says, I'm praying that he is going to strengthen you. He's going to give you power through the Spirit. So that what happens is this. Is that Christ comes into your life. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So that, so that here's the thing. So that your Christianity isn't just something that you are. It's not something that you just like say, yeah, I'm a Christian. It's like, it's a part of you. It's in you. It's on you. It's around you. It's in, the, it's, in it's in. your finances. It's in your intimacy. It's in your friendships. It's in everything. It's in your politics. It's so that it would be so a part of you that you would be rooted and established in love. I mean, think about that for just a second. Like, to be rooted and established in love, I don't know about you, but, but my marriage doesn't work unless it re- my wife really It feels like we are rooted and established in love. I mean, if, if I told her I loved her on the first day that we got married... And then I was just like, um, "Why do I need to say it again? I already said it once. You know, like, what's 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 the deal? With, like, why 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 do we need to keep talking about this love stuff? And it's because our marriage runs on love. Our marriage runs on this love for each other, this self-sacrificing love. And what's funny about that is that." The Apostle Paul relates later in the book of Ephesians the whole idea of the relationship between the church and and Jesus and the wife and the husband. He relates those two things together. God wants you to be so sure that you are loved today. God wants you to be so impacted by the love that he has for you, the complete acceptance not of the idea that like the, the acceptance of your sin as you see it and as you want it or, or something like that. No, his acceptance of your person, of who you are, of, of every, everything that you are. He created you. He saved you. Or he wants to save you. He loves you so intensely. And Paul is telling you, and I, I don't know how to say it any better, but he just wants you to be established in love. He wants you to experience his love. And so many of us have come to church and we thought it was about the rules. We thought it was about the mission of God. And really, the whole thing has to start with this, that the message of God is, I love you this much. I love you so, so much. You can't do enough ministry. You can't be nice to enough people. You can't do anything like that to make me love you. You can't outsend me. You can't outsend my love. You can't run away from me. I've got you. That's what God wants you to know. He wants you to experience it. And so He wants you to be completely about this love. And, he, and so He says that you would have power together with all of the saints. That's the the, the church together to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. We make the mistake of trying to go pour out without being filled. We make the mistake of trying to go be something that we have not been filled up to uh, to do. And so Paul's. This is what Paul is saying. I want you to experience him on this level in such a way that it impassions you. It impassions you for something else. So then he says, he says now um, that that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness. No, back, back up just a little bit. Verse 19, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. He wants you to be so sure of this love that it's beyond even knowing. You don't even you don't you don't even have the words to describe it. You don't even have, you you can't fully tell people exactly what what it is that you experience. It's just like, ah, oh, that's the level that he wants you to have it. Now, he goes in in chapter four and he begins to say, once you get the message of God, now you have an opportunity to be put onto the mission of God. He says in chapter 4, verse 1, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now, some of you, some of us at different times, have said, I can't go to church right now because I've got these things that are, that are, that are keeping me. God, or maybe it's not just church. I can't go to God right now because I, I have these things in my life. I can't talk to Him. I feel like I'm I feel like I'm on the outside. I feel like I've just I, I feel like I've just kind of really neglected Him, and so now I, I just need to, to to stay out of there. But what the Apostle Paul says is that when you finally uh, understand this idea of His love, He says, "What I want you to see is this." I want you, when you get that, you finally can come to a place where you can say, now you can live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. Now you can come to a place where you can finally experience what God has for you. And so he, he goes on, and he begins to talk about gifting, and he begins to say that God has given these gifts to these people. Now we're back at chapter 4, verse 11, which says, It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. Now this is, this, is, this is God. He gave people these giftings, and these aren't the only giftings, but these are some of the giftings. And some of these giftings are there to be able to uh, help people, to be able to minister to people. They're not just there to do all the ministry. So it says the, the point of their service is to prepare God's people for works of service. When I, when I began to read that, I began to experience something which, is, which, which I felt like has been true all my life. Like I would go on mission trips occasionally which, with a bunch of people that I didn't know at all. I'd go on this mission trip, and uh, when, I was, when I was single, I was always trying to hook up with some girl that was there and trying to, trying to uh, hang out with her while we're you know building a, a church or a house in Mexico or something along those lines. But we as a group of people would become so connected. We become people that like really knew each other. We liked each other. We had this shared experience. So one of the things that I, I began to realize about the local church is that so many of us don't have shared experience together because we're coming to a building, we sit and we listen to a sermon and then we might judge exactly how that went or whether we liked the music or something like that without ever actually engaging with the local church. Now what's happening here? at Outward Silverton is this, is that people are getting engaged. People are connecting. People are uh, working towards, man, let's, let's do this better. Let's make this happen. Let's serve here. Let's lead a community group. Let's go to a community group. Let's go help these people that need, that need help. And what you're experiencing is you are experiencing what this passage is saying. He says, verse 12, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. See, what happens is this, is that when you get the message of God, and you're impassioned by that message, and it drives you towards, man, I can't believe he loves me this much. And you come to this place where he's like, man, I I just want to serve him. I want to be a part of that. And then you get trained, you get equipped to do the work of ministry. What happens is that the body of Christ gets built up. This church begins to grow. We become people uh, of God. We become people who are deeply connected to one another. He says, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, there's a deeper unity that comes. When we are about what God is doing here, when we get the message, when we have this message and we have it firmly in our grasp, and we, and we go and we are on mission. We've been trained to be on mission. What happens as a result is that we become people who are unified in the faith. There's a unity that comes from being together and on mission. I was just talking about this idea with some people. And that is that this, this idea that like war brings us together. It gives us a common enemy. But when we don't have a war that we're fighting, we fight each other. I mean, I, I kind of feel like that's, that's a little bit of what's happening in America today. Like we have no like, common enemy like Hitler or you know, somebody else. Uh, but So now we're just fighting each other. We're just, we're just fighting each other. The Apostle Paul is saying that when we understand who the enemy is, who our master is, that there's this unity of faith that comes, that this knowledge of God, knowledge of Jesus, knowledge of the Son of God begins to grow in us. And there's a maturity that happens as a result, and that maturity is attaining to, it's, it, it's, it's going after the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, what does that even mean? It means that we don't mature as people until we're engaged with the idea of, I serve alongside of this local church because of what God has done for me what he what he's doing for me what what he's been to me like this that that's that's what's taking place there we grow in this maturity to this level of like i am attaining to i'm going after the maturity that is in christ that's what it's communicating and so he says in verse 14 then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. He gives this picture of people who are tossed back and forth. In fact, it's it's a picture of, of a child who is on the beach and goes out into the waves and and the child is is kind of walking around maybe you've seen this before and a wave comes and just knocks this kid down and then the kid gets up and then it knocks him knocks him down now uh, listen for just a second like what's what's happening in our world there there are waves that are coming there's waves of 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 covid that come there's there's waves of life there's waves of of, uh, of suffering. There's waves of uh, all kinds of things. Sometimes there's waves of prosperity. The Apostle Paul is saying what happens as a result of knowing the message of God and then being on the mission of God with the people of God, That what, what takes place is that you become embedded in this ministry. You become embedded in these people and there's this maturity that takes place and that maturity leads you to a place of stability. It gives you ballast in your boat. It holds you steady in the midst of life's circumstances. What is everyone freaking out about right now? What are are people freaking out about? I'm afraid to die because it's a reality. It's a reality. Like you could die during this pandemic. What are people freaking out about? Like uh, politics, what are people freaking out about? Like I don't know, like name it. Like people are freaking out about it. I'm freaking out about gas prices because we drive a Suburban right now. Like, like, like that's, that's, that's where I'm at. But listen, what do you have that our world doesn't have? What do you possess? And that's, that's really what I, what I want to bring to you is that living outwardly, living outside of ourselves, living outside of like, like, this is not all about me. It's about what he's done for me, and it sent me on a a mission. And what is that mission? It is to bravely display the security. It's to bravely display this this idea of, of like, I'm going to be okay. The world's not falling apart. It's not outside of God's control. It's not... It's not going to hell in a handbasket. It's not doing anything. Like the world is going to be okay. And Paul says, man, when, you're, when you've understood the, the message of God so much that it's, it's like imprinted on your heart. And he sends you on his mission. And you're with the people of God on that mission. Something happens where you become integrated. You become mature. You become people who are not tossed back and forth by God. Whatever it is, the low price of of something that you're selling, now you're going to lose all kinds of money. The uh, high price of the things that you need to purchase, the difficulties that happen in our families, The, um, the, the chaos that's happening in our world, you get to be somebody who is not tossed back and forth by the waves of life. Because guess what? This is not the end of that. It's not going to get better. It's not. And I, and I wish I could bring you a message of hope about this world, but our hope doesn't come from this world. Our hope comes from our God. And then he says, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching. See, there's, there's the, the waves that come in our life there's the stuff that happens to us. The, there's the stuff that we're experiencing. There's there's the stuff that that's that's happening here and now. But then there's also like a teaching that comes as a result of that. Like, whose teaching are you going to listen to? Who's which which conspiracy theory are you going to believe? Which uh, news channel are you going to watch? Which um, you know which I don't know which. Which TV preacher, which regular preacher, which, which like, like, there are, there is, it's not just the waves in life, but the waves in life bring waves of teaching. And the, and the, and the question is, is like, how am I going to define what this wave of life is like? What am I, how am I going to define my life as a result of what's happening in this world and what's taking place oftentimes and what was taking place at the beginning of our church was many people who were, who were basically saying, no, it's, it's, it's not that, that God is a, a righteous judge. He's just kind and he loves uh, everybody. And as a result, what's going to take place is like everyone's going to be saved. So don't worry about receiving Jesus Christ. There were people who, who were coming in with all kinds of teaching. And it happens in Christian bookstores today. Like you could walk through a Christian bookstore and you would think that you should be able to pick up any book on those shelves, but like there are innumerable books on those bookshelves that are just off. They're just not biblical. It's just not right. There's innumerable people today who claim to be Christians who are giving you advice on how to deal with like the waves of life and how to experience that. And they're just off. It's not biblical. The Apostle Paul says the safety that you have is in the context of the church. It's in the context of the church where we are sharpening one another, where we are listening to the word of God, where we are talking to one another, and we are being built up in love. It says, he, he says this, instead speaking the truth in love. This is, that, that was my point is that when we come together and we are on the mission of God, we have the message of God, we begin to speak truth to one another. He says that's when we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. When we're together with one another and we are speaking the word of God to one another and we're, we're, we're uh, taking our lives and we're saying, Lord, what do you have for us here? What, what do you want from us here When we do that, what happens is this, is that we're gonna grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. And then he says, from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now here's what I wanted you to hear this morning. Is that, yes, this idea of the message of God driving the mission of God, that let, gives us the people of God. But it's this but like we can come to church and we can just sit and we can just experience. Now, I just want to tell you this. You guys are engaged. So good on you. Like you're doing it. Like you're, you're a part of this. This message wasn't happening as a result of, man, no one's getting involved. No, lots of energy out here. But here's the thing. The reason why this is awesome is because it agrees with Scripture. Because you are living outwardly. Because this church cannot exist for itself. It can't exist for us. So as we go into this season where uh, we're going to be looking for a new, a new uh, place to meet, I want you to think about this. That God uses this movement. God uses this this time, God uses this, um, like Outward Church was meeting here, and now, it's, and now it's meeting there. God uses that to attract people to himself, to live outward during this season, is to say, all right, God, what do you have for us? What do you, where are you leading us today, and what's going to happen, and who can we invite into this community of faith? where we can share the message of God with them, the love of God that can be imprinted on their life and on their heart and cause them to be passionate and to join this community and to be on mission for him. And So we have an opportunity as as we move forward here, and I I don't think there's some great problem with this here. I don't think there's complaints. I don't think there's anything like that. I I just want to say this. That we are called outward church because God has called us to live outside of ourselves with his message of love that overwhelms any amount of sin, that overwhelms any amount of our resistance, and we live passionately for him because of that. Okay? Can we, we, we do communion here, don't we? <laughs> Can I invite the, the ushers forward here? as we go to the the Lord's table.